0: The kids are out of school, and you've got vacation plans. It's the perfect time for something new, and we want your trade, and we're paying top dollar. Greg's got the deal. South Hollywood Road in Homa. Greg, 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 Greg LeBlanc Toyota, Toyota in Homa has
1: got your summer deals.
2: guaranteed that man's got some stones believe me he is no worse his legend lives on now back to the sports hangover with gus Katengal.
1: i'll take your phone calls in between adam silverbikes if you'd like to chime in are you in favor of a mid-season tournament the play-in staying around they voted that in uh, of course, they all need to be ratified and approved by the CBA and all that, but that's going to stay around. I, I'm 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 interested in this play-in scenario, in this play-in tournament. Look, I'm all in favor of adding competition and making it worth something to watch in November and in December. But I, I do think you got to provide incentive because the first thing I'm going to think of is obviously well about the players, because already one of the big topics is load management. And players taking off. A reporter asked Adam Silver yesterday in his State of the League speech in Vegas, because again, there's the Board of Governor meetings going on, which would be equivalent to the NFL spring meetings with the owners. They um, as to what's the concern level about players taking days off, resting players when it comes to streaming and things of that nature, people paying to watch games. And in that case, or certain cases, the best player's not playing. Here's his answer. And it would help if I plugged it in. See, this so is what happens when I go to Jordan. All right, let's try this again. Um, here is Adam Silver's answer.
3: The last part of your question is that I, I, it's something that I've been talking to our teams about and the players directly that in a world where people are paying potentially for just what they want to watch, that it may be the case that a player needs rest but it can't be our expectation as exists now in the bundle that we'll be paid the same amount <laughs> for a game when our player our star players in particular don't play than when they do and that's that's a business issue that has a direct impact on us and the players and something um, we're talking about and in terms of load management uh, it, it will be something that we discuss as we sit down with the players and talk about the collective bargaining agreement i think it's something where um, we should both be relying on the best science because I accept that, um, number one, where times have changed, I think that in the old days, Joe Dumars is in the front row, I don't want to accuse you of being in the old days, but players played through certain injuries that we wouldn't want players to play through these days. It was just a different time. And um, so, number one, this isn't an attempt to roll the clock back and say, you know, Toughen up, and you should play in these situations because it probably shortens their careers anyway, and it's counterproductive. Having said that, um, there's a lot of uh, you know mystery around load management. Uh, often, when you have conversations with teams, it's not even clear sometimes who's developed the program, who who ultimately has the responsibility for deciding, in some cases, that that game three weeks from now is the game that that player should sit, sit, where that player should sit out. So, I think. It's one of those issues we're working together with our teams in the Players Association. I think, one, let's have a better understanding. As I've said this before, I'm not looking to shorten the season, but it's a conversation we should all have. What's optimal in terms of the number of games on a player's body? I, you know, let's be realistic about that. I mean, maybe fan expect- expectations will change in certain ways about number of minutes, and we have long rosters, and I mean, one of the great things about being here in Las Vegas for the Summer League, it's incredible to see the competition and recognize most of those guys on the floor can't even make an NBA roster so and it's fantastic basketball so you know I it, to me it, it's like we want to make sure that we're putting our best foot forward for our fans same time um, having a better understanding of the science of, of, of the exertion of our players so that we don't put them in positions where they either get injured or are more likely to get injured and where um you know, we we, we can strike a, a fair balance. And so that's – those are the principles at stake. And and my sense is, with good faith across the table with our players association, that um, maybe there's some additional incentives we can come up with as well. I mean, this goes a little bit to um, your question about streaming, is that I'm all in favor of guaranteed contracts, but it may be that on top of your typical guaranteed contracts, some incremental money should be based on – Number of games played and, you know, results of those games. I mean, it's, that's how most industries work, where there's financial incentives, even among highly paid executives for performance. So, all, all things that we should be looking at as we sit down, taking into account what sort of the modern NBA looks like.
1: Hmm, that's interesting, right? On top of guaranteed contracts, here's a bonus if you actually play as many games or if you play in that tournament. Because, like I said, I think unless there is incentive for the team and the franchise, I think it's going to be a tough sell for the players to ratify this and go with it. The in-season play-in tournament, or the in the in-season tournament, the play-in is to get into the postseason. That's staying. The mid-season tournament, as Woj reported, to be around before Christmas. What is that incentive? Because, again, if you just want some sort of competition, level of that on the Pels, do I approach it maybe like summer league? Chance to bring up G League players. Chance to play guys that haven't been getting minutes and and see if I can win that game or not. And if I make it to the final, then I play my starters again because you're cutting the games by four or five of the regular season. I guess. I, I don't know. The other thing that he was asked about specifically was about Kevin Durant and the trade. Again, it was my final word yesterday on Fox 8. It's what we've been talking about the first two days. I, I understand totally what Draymond Green was saying when last week on his podcast he said, you know, if you move companies and then go to another company to benefit you or your family as he was saying if you go from Google to Apple to Tesla to whatever most people would congratulate you and be happy and I, he's right if a bigger market or a network offered me a job it would be best for me and my family I would take it you more than likely would be happy for me I also think he's wrong though as I said because the business world is a little different than the sports world Although there is business in the sports world, but what I'm getting at is normally businesses succeed or fail by providing products or services, right? And they have hires in and around those philosophies that work. Apple and Google hire people to be a part of what their philosophy is, build products, provide services. The CEOs, the news directors at news stations or radio stations, program directors, those are the ones hired to carry out that philosophy. If those people do leave, it is a big deal. It is a big deal. That's why there's, uh, non-compete clauses and things of that nature. It is a big deal because they're the top of essentially the, the chain. This isn't climbing the ladder of success. Going from job to job to better your title, better your financial stability and improve your family's well-being. That's climbing the ladder of success. Being a franchise player that is given pretty much what they want and then given an extension as a commitment from the team and then saying, I don't want to honor it, that's not climbing the ladder of success. You're a franchise player because the franchise, get this, builds around you, right? Right? They trade for Harden, they make all these moves, they're trying to build around you. So I think this case is different. Even with A D, as I said yesterday, A D signed a couple of contracts here. Chris Paul signed a couple of contracts here. Um Katie signed an extension, hasn't played a minute under it. Here's what Silver had to say.
3: My view hasn't changed. I'm I'm I don't know whether his whether he requested a trade or demanded one, frankly. <laughs> um, but, uh, look, we this needs to be a two-way street. Um, teams provide enormous security and guarantees to players, and the expectation is in return that they'll meet their end of the bargain. I'm realistic that there's always conversations that are going to go on behind closed doors between players and their representatives on the teams, but we don't – like to see players requesting trades and we don't like to see it playing out the way it is. I mean, ideally, especially, you know, as I was just saying, in response to the last question, the basketball was fantastic this past season, the playoffs, we had a wonderful finals. And I don't want to be naive, but I would like, I would love the focus to be on the play on the floor. Um, and. As to what we can do about this issue, again, I, it, when a player has a- to be moved, um, it has a ripple effect on a lot of other players, on that player's team and other teams. So it's not just potentially um, the league or the team governors who are impacted by that, but lots of other players as well. So it's one of those issues that as we move into this collective bargaining cycle, which we're just beginning now, we intend to t- discuss with our players' association and see um, if, there are the, if there are remedies for this. That um, again, I, I, as I said, it, there, it'll never be the t- a case when players won't um, be unhappy in certain situations. But um, we don't want to see it playing out the way it is now. And I think it is something where there's mutuality of interest between the players collectively and the league. Um, and in having more stability. So that's something we'll be discussing with the union.
2: Good. No doubt. Harden, right. and yep.
1: you take a look, obviously, what happened with Ben Simmons and Kyrie and Katie. It absolutely will be a part of it. And Screamin' A has been saying for a while that those people are hurting other players because the Board of Governors will make it a point in the next CBA. Scott Prather, ESPN Lafayette, joins us next. This is Sportango from ESPN New Orleans.
2: Okay, three dozen by tomorrow morning. Yeah, the roses. And Faraz's the flower candy shop candy is blooming. Candy to candy keep candy up candy with high candy demand, candy he must strengthen candy his candy business's candy. roots. Uh, just, just one second. Faraz's flowers. Uh, hold, please. Hi, how are you doing? Welcome to Faraz's. Indeed yeah, can help fine. him hire the people he needs. I need Indeed. Indeed, you do. When you sponsor a job, you immediately get your short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. Visit Indeed.com/credit and get seventy-five dollars towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Pete's property manager just took an extended vacation. He He needs a replacement before this becomes a cruel summer.
3: You wanted the lakefront for the 17th. How did this get double booked already?
0: Indeed can help him hire great people fast.
3: I need Indeed.
0: Indeed, you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Earn up to five hundred dollars in sponsored job credits by conducting interviews on Indeed. Visit Indeed.com/slash credit. Terms and
2: conditions apply.
1: 106 miles to Chicago. We've got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it.
2: Now back to the sports hangover with Gus Katengal. That's
1: Scott Mimic. Gives a way to follow Mr. Scott Brather. Morning's over on ESPN Lafayette. Good afternoon, sir. How are you?
2: I'm great, Gus. What's
4: going on?
1: I'm doing well, man. I had a conversation yesterday with uh, a couple of people talking about Cracklins and and where they go. is at the gym, as a matter of fact, in the locker room (laughs) at around 6.15 in the morning. And the gentleman that drives back and forth through Lafayette went through a list of places he likes to stop over there. And then we all started talking about the health factor of Cracklins, especially at the gym. So, uh, But I brought you up. I brought you up. I said, yeah, I get paid every now and then uh, in Cracklins to to hang out with you. So, you know, think of you.
4: I mean, I... I I'm glad, I'm glad our friendship, I'm glad to know where we stand in our friendship. It's totally just based on crackling. So, it I guess I'm is. kind of like a crackling yeah. dealer. You know I, what I mean? It's you done. are,
1: you are, legitimately you can't are. quit
4: can quit the sauce.
1: No, no, not at all. Um, here's the thing, man. I, I was listening to Adam Silver yesterday, and I think a lot of NBA fans probably like hearing that. Huh. Something needs to be addressed or, or talked about star players wanting to bolt and all this other stuff, which we can get into your thoughts on that. But I don't know, based on reaction, if NBA fans are completely on board with the in-season play tournament. That's it's a little
4: strange. It, it, it's the thing that no one wanted, yet they continue to try to do it to everybody. And, you know, I've heard the argument, well, you know, people were skeptical of the bubble and it worked. I mean, People were skeptical of the bubble because at that time, shoot, in history, people were skeptical of everything, anything. You know, at that time of the pandemic, it was sort of a a a once-in-a-lifetime event that they, yeah, they pulled it off. And and it was cool. But that's not comparable to this. Like, I, I, I always go back to the same question. What is at stake? And if there's nothing viable at stake, if there's nothing that's really worth playing for other than a mid season trophy, like there has to be something significant on the line. In the day and age of load management, uh and, and in the day and age that we're in right now in sports of, you know, teams just thinking, it's all about that Larry O'Brien trophy. We're gonna rest this guy here. We're gonna rest that guy Thank there. You. I I mean what what it's it's gotta mean something. And I'm right. having trouble maybe they'll figure something out, but I, I don't I don't know how, because if you try to tie it into the postseason somehow or something significant on that end, well, now you're taking away something from the second half of the of the regular season. Which right. They're already battling that in some ways, like, oh, well, what are teams playing for and is it important and, you know, are they still in the hunt here? I, I, I know some people are skeptical of the play in aspect of the playoffs, and obviously Pelicans fans loved it this past year, but... It always made sense in terms of the payoff. There is something tangible that is on the line. So, I, again, have you met anyone, Gus, or talked to anyone, and you and I work in sports media, mm-hmm. that is like, man, the midseason NBA tournament, that's what the league needs. I haven't, I haven't met a single person that was <laughs> not,
1: not, not a single one. Again, I understand what you're trying to do here, and that's increase the attention. The <laughs> ability perhaps, uh, get more money on a, a streaming deal or a rights deal in this aspect of it. And that being that many people probably don't pay attention to the league other than people that live in those cities. Even, even here, Scott, people probably don't get into it until Christmas, right? Which is why they brought up the whole right. games on Christmas day to try to kind of let people know, oh, by the way, we've been playing for two months. The NBA is here, which is why they had those those Christmas Day games. And guess what the NFL did uh, in the last two seasons? They're also taking advantage of that. So I think the fact that they want to do it before Christmas Day, I, I get it. I- I'm with you, though. What incentive am I going to have as, you know, an organization to play <coughs> my stars in there, uh all those, all those things? Now – they want to, you know, shorten it from eighty-two to seventy-eight, then provide financial gain—a million dollars here, there—for the winning team to the player. Okay, fine, but you, again, it's it, it's going to be a question of whether or not teams do it.
4: Yeah, yeah. If you're the Bucks, or or rather, if you're the Sun, right. who had a great record last year and then gassed out in the playoffs, and you know, the Pelicans kind of. Presented a wall, they were able to get past that wall, and then they got to Game Seven against Dallas and totally wet the bed. I mean, they were awful. But a lot of people pointed to, you know, Chris Paul was worn out, or this right. or that. I, I don't, I don't know the reason. They just weren't good enough. But how is it viewed? It's viewed as team ran out of gas. You know, team was in the finals last year, and the finals was late in the season. Uh, it, it, like if you're if you're a team that feels like your championship window. Who knows if DeAndre Ayton will be back? If Chris Paul's not getting any younger, you feel like this could be it. That's your goal, and if something is going to alter it, you know if you're a team, if you're a team like the Pelicans, maybe you're up and coming. Get to play a couple extra games. You got a number of players that can make some extra money. I I could see them getting into it, but I I just it it's going to be awfully difficult to convince thirty NBA teams. Some of which are more realistic about their goals than others, right. but I think anybody behind closed doors would tell you exactly where they are. In the franchise, they're, they're all in different places. in some all to to play for this thing that I don't know, man. It's 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 a it's about it's about an NBA championship. It's not about hey, do you remember in the year 2025 the team that won the early season tournament with the player that got a trophy from that, like, no one Yes. Good. Oh, we got to give him a trophy.
1: Absolutely, we need a trophy for that to happen as well. That's Scott Mimics, the way to follow Scott Prather over on Twitter. Got about four more minutes with him. Scott, but look, uh, that's one of the things he was asked about. He also commented "Look, same thing that I think a lot of people sort of feel. The Kevin Durant thing is different even as much as AD as I just talked about in our number one. He did sign multiple contracts with this team, and you know, uh, Chris Paul, same thing, multiple contracts, and you can kind of say those are things are different. With Durant, he hadn't even played a minute of his new extension that is supposed to start this season. You have James Harden, who was given everything and pampered by the Rockets. Hey, bring in Chris Paul, that didn't work. Bring in Russell Westbrook, that didn't work. And instead he goes and gets fat and then decides he doesn't want to play and show up, so they have to ship him. Ben Simmons says, I'm quitting on basketball. Like, in the last two three years, I, I think there's a there's an optic problem. There's there's an issue, perhaps. And and he said it's going to be brought up in, in the next CBA. And and I think fans want to hear that. I think.
4: I think fans want to hear it. I also think the fans truly really care about it. Talk about it a ton. I mean, gosh, you could make an argument. It's kind of good for the league. Now, I don't like it for the record. I don't. But. What are people talking about the last few weeks? We're talking about Durant. What they, I think the NBA, more than any other professional sports league in the U.S. anyway, drives more traffic and interest based on the superstars and the kind of mood they're in. I mean, in a, in, in, you know, that's, that's the Notes version. You know, all these things, like, I, I think the best sustainable model for being the best sports league is to have fans and players care about winning a championship and doing it for said team, said city, because I think there's there's an organic unity there that's undeniable. I mean, the NFL has plenty of star players. They don't necessarily have to market that. I mean, of course, they're going to do it. But my point is, you're still going to watch the Sunday night game between, you know, the Niners and the Broncos, regardless of who's playing quarterback. Because it's the NFL. You know, are you going to watch, like the NBA leans so heavily on their stars and the kind of mood they're in, what they tweeted and what, what is their relationship like with the front office right now? I mean, the Lakers were, were horrible last year we all got our jokes off, but like how much were they discussed? Yes. One, it was because it was the Lakers. I get it. But two, it was because of the personalities on their team. I mean, when the Lakers, you know, post Kobe were pretty terrible or even in Kobe's last year, but. Post Kobe were really terrible for a year or two there. They got talked about and they were on TV because they were the Lakers, but they weren't in the news like they were last year. I mean, LeBron sells, rating sell, Russell Westbrook, you know, struggling was part of the story, but oh my God, what's happening in the locker room because of this was another part of it. So the NBA in some ways has, it, it, I, I liken it kind of Gus to, you know, you look at the steroid era in baseball, right? Whenever it started, Nobody was complaining about the guy's juicing. It was, oh, Maguire, Sosa, the race to beat Maris. It's so great. The game is back following the strike. And then a few years later, you know, all the baseball writers, people got on their moral high compass and high horse and said, this is bad, this is bad.
3: How dare they? And
4: in some some ways, you know, some of these storylines have helped the NBA. It has nothing to do with the actual game of basketball. I mean, all the decisions terrible it's terrible it's this it's that well it got people talking about the heat non now we're going back over you know we're going back a decade um all of these things i think the nba you know silver can put on this front that he doesn't like it or something has to be done about it while also you know behind closed doors enjoying all of it and how much it's helped the game you know and and draw interest in this younger generation that seems to care a whole lot about, you know, what someone's tweeting or if somebody's happy with GM or any of that stuff. So I, I think I'm not saying that, that Silver's being disingenuous. I'm telling you that he, he's just pandering to his audience because there's a part of him that likes it, whether he's going to admit, not to admit it to the people in Vegas, but there's a part of them that knows, yeah, it's kind of good for the league. I mean, I get, that why, I get why fans are complaining about it, but there's, they're not apathetic. They're talking about it. If KD goes somewhere, they're going to root against him. They're going to have all of these debate segments on it. So, yeah. you know, I, it, the difference between that and the, and the steroid thing is, you know, there's nothing physically or, you know, <laughs> there's there's nothing medically dangerous about it. It's more just – Let's play off of the drama. Let's market it while at the same time acting like we don't like it. I, I don't think this is a snake, you know, uh, biting its tail. I don't think that's what's happening in this regard. I think it's just silver pandering to an audience that knows, hey, we're in Vegas summer league. You got hardcore fans here. You got fans of small market teams. Let me let me tell them what let me, let me tell them what they want to hear.
1: I think one of the other things too, Scott, as we say goodbye to you, sir, is that at some point in time. I do think it's, I don't think it's like a, excuse me, like an epidemic or something like that. I think it's unique to certain things and you're right. Look, if Kyrie Irving does go to the Lakers like a lot of people feel, they'll be the supervillain team, right? I mean, everyone won't stand him and can't stand him. Jordan sent me a, uh, an Instagram story today of A.D. shooting half-court threes. He makes one, and all of a sudden the, the lettering is, he looks dangerous. Here we go. And you're right, oh, man, no. anything they do. <laughs> no, seriously, he looks dangerous. He oh, shot a three from half-court against nobody's dangerous. Whatever. Danger. So, he's dangerous. I'm going to send it to you, I promise. Anyway, man, thank you for your time. No. As always, I'll chat with you on your show this weekend, brother.
4: Can't wait, brother. Thank you. <laughs>
1: For sure, take care, Scott. Pray through ESPN Lafayette. Quick break. We come back, Coach G. We'll talk a little soccer. It's the Sports Hangover in ESPN New Orleans. <music>
2: Since 1948... That's 74 years. Hilario Brothers has been in the commercial shrimping and fishing supply business. They carry a large selection of stainless steel shafts up to two and a half inches, but they can also order larger if you like. They also stock two, three, and four blade propellers up to 40 inches. A large selection of shaft coupling, single V-struts, and stainless steel rudders. Now listen to this. Hilario Brothers is now stocking rudder blades and rudder shafts so you can make your own rudder. Now carrying stainless steel plate pieces so you can make your own V-strut. A huge selection of stainless steel stern tubes, rudder, and shaft shoes, fiberglass tubes, rudder ports, packing boxes, and dripless shaft seals, stocking tiller arms, and rubber cutlass bearings, along with a big line of motor mounts. Visit Alario Brothers before the season. That's Alario Brothers, 894 Avenue A, West Wego. Visit their website at alariobros.com. Shrimp boats is a-coming, their sails are inside. Shrimp boats is a-coming, there's dancing tonight.
3: A grade C is just average, a grade B better, but an A, an A is excellent, and an A is what Thibodeau Regional earned for patient safety from the LeapFrog Group, a leading healthcare quality and safety organization. This A in patient safety is yet another confirmation of Thibodeau Regional's commitment to providing patients with the highest quality, safest care.
4: man that likes to talk now back to the sports hangover with Gus Kattengill on ESPN 100.3 FM Pat
1: Con Terry coach G's the way we like to call him here on the sports hangover joins us on Wednesdays to talk a little bit about football Kenny Farrell coach of the Jesters is going to join us an hour from now he's got a playoff game to get into but coach G first off good afternoon how are you
0: What's going on, sir? I'm doing very well. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing well. Um Excellent.
1: I'm sitting here and I know the 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 women's Euro Cup is going on, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I've been watching those games in the afternoon. It's kind of like prep time for for the World Cup. I always love when the World mm-hmm. Cup plays cuz you got games throughout the day and all the time and all that. Yep. But I'm watching and I'm doing the show and it's England and Norway. Awesome pageantry. That's great. I look up. It's 1-0. I look up, it's two nil, I look up, it's three nil. I'm texting people I'm like, dude, it's three, four nil and five, six yeah. nothing and I'm like, what is going on? Like I almost felt like stop scoring or almost run the clock out, but you wanted to talk about why that was impressive. I look at it as a beating. Why do you see it as a different way though?
0: Well, it's both it, it is—it's a, a true bean. And uh, but you know, to really put the uh, offense, um, England's offense, just jam it down uh, their defensive throat on Sweden. I'm sorry, off Norway. It really just shook them out and their defense just gave up the ball time after time after time after time. And it really just allowed uh, England to shoot kind of freely and easily to score on Norway. So it was kind of crazy. But, yeah, it was, a, it was a crazy stat that I actually uh, saw about 20 years ago. Norway actually beat England 8-0. to It was one of the biggest, um, at the time, um lopsided games. But one thing that's very, um, I guess you would say, inspirational for other countries, or even here in America, is kind of, I would say, the England saw themselves as we're not even close where we need to be, especially in comparison to the male team. It took about 20 years and for a turnaround for a whole generation of English women soccer players to have it at 8-0, loss, to now turn around to win an 8-0 in this kind of fashion. is unbelievable. Uh, It just speaks volumes about um, England's national um, federation and how much money they're putting into the grassroots of soccer and really trying to grow soccer, um, again, at the grassroots level by putting money into it, by putting um, excellent coaches in it. And recently, within the last two years, you even see um, the American national women um, players are playing over in Arsenal, um, the women's teams and uh, man City's uh, national or sorry uh, the club team man United national I'm sorry national I think national but the club teams over there just like what we see with the men going over to Europe because that's where the clubs are, um, are, are better um, uh, the, the game is better over there the coaches are better there facilities are better over there however for our national team we are slowly becoming average now compared to um, other countries like France. Germany, e, um, England, uh, Sweden for a while there, China for a while there was kind of um, kind of keeping up with us. But once once France, Germany, England put some of their money back into their national programs for the women, you see just a huge difference um, in their games. With even within the last twenty years, and again, the good example is this um, England turnaround um, on Norway. This eight zero, um, I just want to say uh, stomping on. But it's just it's unbelievable to see. Yeah, it it seems like 20 years is a long time, but in the soccer world, for a generation to come and to have this complete turnout, and now that England is going to be a world of competitor, it's huge. It really is huge. And for England to even be in this she believes tournament here in America for the last couple of years, for them just playing... The, the, the best of the best naturally will bring their competition level up to their their, their level of of the world um world qualifiers like germany like france like the united states over these last couple of years so it's just a matter of time for countries to invest in their women's team and now you're seeing the, the dividend you're seeing them paying off so with this england 8-0 win the other day it was just it's unbelievable to see how far they have come um it, it, it's, a, it's great to see that this is this is the kind of the thing that if you put money into, anything that women can do, uh, you see the success. And it's not just a men's sport, it's a women's sport. And that's kind of why the, the contract with here uh, locally with the, the national team with the men and women, The women is trying to say, hey, we're, not, if not better than you, but we're bringing in the, the, the fans, we're bringing in uh, the money. And the USA-Mexico game the other day brought 41,000 um, um uh, make it they like pain um, fans to watch this game. Where you saw in Cincinnati, where Christian Pulisic was calling out the fans, like, "Hey guys, where where you at?" so you kind of see that if if you dump some of these countries dump some money into the national uh, women's um federation at the grassroots level you are going to see success so again the biggest thing is to see this huge turnaround within 20 years of england just just now there's a the world challenger for world cups for even for the euros this year so it's a great great story but yeah an 8-0 against norway and on paper even before this game um yesterday it said it's supposed to be evenly matched. Um Norway might squeak out a one zero win, two one win, and all of a sudden, like you said, one nothing, two nothing, three then you look up like how the heck is seven zero, eight zero. Is it's that's crazy. Just England is saw an opportunity. Maybe this was kind of a uh, a bitter taste from twenty years ago, but just it's just a great kind of a story, just kind of a big picture of just where they came from.
1: Got about two minutes here. I think one of the things Coach G that really also stood out to me too is watching this and watching just really the rest of the competition in play I'm not saying that you know obviously the tide has changed or turned but look for the most part the women's national team was just utter dominance and you just kind of expected to be in the finals and win it. I don't know if I sort of see that right? I mean you and I have kind of discussed roster uh, moves, implications Mm -hmm. and at some point these ladies that have been names in this country that They're not going to be young enough to compete against some of these players.
0: Yeah, and even looking at (laughs) what we did against Mexico, and even looking at the lineup, um, I'm looking at it right now. You know, and we had nothing to really lose. Mexico, they lost um, both their games, and they really had to beat United States to even uh, to move on um, in the tournament. But it's good to see that United States, the coach, um, Bletko, he implemented some of the newbies and some of the experienced um, players. But again, we didn't really score until the what, 90th minute in that game. It, it kind of scares me a little bit that we're having our, our younger players are kind of at the level of, I guess you want to say, other teams, um, regular, you know, say 25 year old, you know, national um, experienced players. But when, when I'm looking at France and I'm looking at Germany and I'm looking at England and what they have on the bench and what we have on the bench, I want to see maybe the tides are turning kind turned. I don't think the United States is going to be a world dominant player in the next couple of years. Um, yeah, we might get into the semifinals, but besides that, it's going to be tough from, from. I would say from now on. I think the other countries have kind of caught up to us, while well, we've kind of like maybe had the chip on our shoulder. Yeah, we're good. We're Americans. You know. We're, you know. We'll always be number one. But I don't think it's going to be the case anymore. And even when some of the major players on the national team for the women against Mesco, when they were stuffed on, they still had some, um, some issues trying to score. And, yeah, uh, the numbers look good. We have 12 shots. you know. But all the shots were on the goalie. You know, and the goalie made really easy saves. And it looked like the goalie kind of had a kind of mishap um, save, which allowed a ball to kind of pop in the air where uh, Christy Mews, I believe, she scored in the 90th minute. It was kind of like a fluke play, but we had some hard times just even scoring... Um accuracy um with the goal like our shots are at the goalie like that don't make my job as a goalie easy make it hard for me like make me die make me you know kind of jump around a little bit but once when, when you're at the goal you make it easy so i'm wow. kind of just kind of nervous right now with this 1-0 win against mexico and am looking at bigger picture with our the way that we're um our direction of our team as well as the other teams throughout the world what they're um, doing right now in the euro cup
1: it was it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Coach G, Patrick yes, sir. Terry's always, appreciate the time. We'll talk again next Wednesday, sir. Stay cool, and we'll yes, see you sir. next
0: week. And stay dry. <laughs> it's supposed yeah. to rain here real bad. So. Uh, Take uh, care, yeah. guys.
1: Take care, man. Appreciate it. Hour number one is in the books coming up in hour number two. We will lead things off with Aaron Summer. She's over in Vegas. Pelicans game number three is coming up at 5 o'clock against the Wizards. We'll talk about, obviously, what to expect, what to keep an eye on, and really – What's the mood over there, especially now that E.J. Liddell, the news coming out just before six o'clock yesterday evening, that he has suffered indeed a torn ACL. Heartbreaking news for him. But how's the team reacting moving forward? We'll talk with her to lead things off. Ralph Marlborough Ben Heisler, Kenny Farrell, all ahead in our two. Sports hangover on ESPN New Orleans.
0: Way, long way.
1: You're
0: the reason I'm still here. here
2: you
3: say finding the right person for the job isn't easy just ask someone who hired a stuntman to